Everybody here with another episode of Creepy Classics. I am Greg. I'm Lawrence. With me today is Lawrence. Sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> no, we never and, had that down. So yeah, that's true. But uh, and tonight's episode, we're going to talk about some. Uh, well, we're going to listen to. I always say talk about, but it's not us talking about some uh, stalker stories. Seven stalker nice. stories is what we got on the agenda. And I'll try not to fall asleep this time. I guess. Allegedly true stalker stories, by the way. All these are supposed to be true. So, uh, before we jump into that, uh, Lawrence, what's been going on with you lately, man? Catching up throughout the week? Man, I've been actually pretty active on the channel lately. Uh, you know, it feels like I was just here yesterday. I was yeah, tell us, tell us about the new thing you're doing. Yeah, the new thing I did was on Friday, it's like Saturday mornings, like at midnight, I dropped the sort of uh, old-time radio stations. There's another guy that does it as well, but he does, like, horror. And I decided just to do more pulp characters like Doc Savage, Tarzan, James Bond, just old-school radio for, like, old-time pulp heroes, you know, on the channel now. It's called Let's Add Some Pulp, so that's a new thing. Every Saturday morning at midnight, we got for that. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. I listened to the first episode, and... uh it's good stuff, man. I like that retro sound to it. It makes me feel like I'm listening to an old radio show. Yeah, yeah, I like it too, man. That was the idea but, behind it. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll come up with a catch, catchy intro for it later, I guess. Yeah, yeah, still trying new things. So, but uh, I, uh, the channel. I actually took a trip to Dirt Cheap today and picked up uh, a few more hidden gems that I'll unveil or unve uh, unveil later on. But um. One of them I'm proud of because I got it for like 90 cents. So that's like a steal. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the chat. Hey, what's up, Jamie? All right. Uh, so without further ado, let's uh, let's get these scary stories going. What do you say? Go ahead. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. These are more from uh, the Let's Read edition of scary stories What's going on jonathan what's up Good jonathan my mom owned a truck diner and when i was little i helped out by waiting tables all the drivers that would come through would always call me a little lady and it made me feel like i was being responsible and before we jump further into this just gonna give an fyi i'm gonna be stuffing my face again on the podcast again i did it on the episode of hidden gems with Corey, and i haven't ate yet so Enjoy watching yeah, me uh, it, stuff it my face. It suits you, man. Go ahead. <laughs> Mom seemed Part to appreciate it. There was this one driver, though, that really bothered me. I was only 10 or 11 at the time, but even at that age, this guy gave me a predator vibe. My mom had always taught me to be careful with strangers and not overly friendly, and I think I usually followed that advice. But thinking about this driver, I'm honestly not sure I was too friendly, or what exactly made him decide to be obsessed with me. 
Anytime he came in, he would always get really chatty with my mom and with me, asking about our life, my pets, my favorite toys, anything really. I thought at first he was just really a big talker, lonely. A lot of truckers were, even at that age, and I knew it had to be hard constantly traveling. When he left though, mom warned me that I shouldn't talk to him much if he ever came back in. Something about him was off, and even she could sense that. He did come by often to our diner at least two or three times a month. I remember he said that he worked long hauls in the area, and this was the only place that served good pumpkin pie. Your mom is amazing. I love cook. pumpkin pie. Shame your daddy left her, huh? He told me one day. I don't really know if I responded, but I distinctly remember him asking, Don't you sometimes wish you had a new daddy? It freaked me out, and I went to hide in the kitchen until he left. I didn't tell mom. Honestly, don't know why. She did ask me, but I just said I was sick. Next time he came in, mom actually had to take care of business, and I was alone for like maybe an hour. I really was actually surprised when I saw him, but I couldn't just ignore a customer. So I offered him a tray, and I remember that he apologized for before. I blamed myself for second-guessing because I accepted it, and then he asked me where my mom was. Without thinking, I told him she wasn't there. She left you here alone? He asked in surprise. You know how sometimes people say things and they sound like pleasant about them? That's how this guy sounded. He was happy to hear my mom wasn't there. He asked when she was coming back. I told him I didn't know. And then he said something out of the blue. Do you like dogs? I was ten. Of course I did. I have a puppy on my truck. Wanna go see? Creep. I thank my lucky stars my mom <laughs> taught me not to be so gullible. I was uneased by the offer and told him that I couldn't leave the diner unattended, especially since mom wasn't there. Great I even answer. suggested he could show me the dog next time. Oh, it's for my little girl. She's about your age. Next time I come through, she won't be with me. Come on, it'll only take a second. I regret that I didn't say no. I think honestly I was scared he would do something if I did say no. He insisted that his truck was right outside and I followed, but I really did feel scared out of my mind. I saw his big truck and stopped about ten feet away. You gotta get up in the cab, he told me. I shook my head no. Ah, come on, I have a toy in there too. You said he liked Barbies, right? I was surprised that he remembered. And then he really surprised me when I saw he wasn't lying. He reached into his truck and took out this brand new in-the-box Barbie doll. And I saw the dog too. It was a small boxer, wagging its tail. For a split second, I let my guard down and took a few more steps toward him. Somehow, before I reached his truck, my mom appeared out of nowhere. I don't know if she had telepathy or... What, but she chewed the driver out and dragged me back inside. What were you thinking? She screamed at me later. After that incident, she refused to let him inside the diner. Honestly, I think that made things worse. He would start sending gifts to the diner, addressed to me. And I don't mean ordinary things. I'm talking about like clothes, fancy dresses. My mom was at her wit's end for about a month. When the stuff came in, she would toss it in the trash she tried to call her sister to come watch me during the day, but the diner was pretty off the road and my aunt always claimed she was too busy. Put her back in public school, Tammy said. 
But mom said the schools were too far away and she liked me close, especially now that I had a stalker. I think someone later contacted a state trooper about the trucker, gave the officer a description and let them take all of the gifts that she had chosen not to throw away. Maybe get some fingerprints or something, I don't know. I don't really know if they ever found anything because about two months after that, mom decided to move out of town. I asked her about it a few years back. Some memory had clicked it back into my brain and she got very quiet. That man was going to take you. I think he probably would have killed you had I not been there that day. She said with a shudder. She told me that the cops had never found out who it was, despite all the things that he had sent me. And creepiest of all, she told me that he had sent me love letters. She had held on to one of them, thinking maybe one day she would contact the FBI or something, but after we moved, I guess the stalker had decided to move on. The letter said that he wanted to raise me, that I was a beautiful girl and I deserved a good father. It sounded sweet on the surface. Typed out, of course. So, no way to trace it, really. I'm convinced after reading the letter that this guy was going to kidnap me and probably a lot worse. So, I just want to ask you right off the bat, Lawrence. Go ahead. <laughs> did you have any experiences in your childhood to where, like, you thought somebody might have tried to kidnap you? I did, actually. I was thinking of this story the whole time. I was like... Let's hear it. Dude, I was like 12 or 13, but I was at a Miami mall with my family. We went to, uh, we were going to Bush Gardens, I believe. But uh, we stopped by this mall. I was with my older brother and um, some friends of the family. And we were just kind of shopping around clothes. And I don't know what told me to, to turn around and look, but there was like this like middle-aged guy with like red hair. He was like staring at me. Like, and at first I thought maybe I was, you know, he was looking at something behind me or something around me. And uh, every time I would walk somewhere, you know, I, I'd turn around just because, and he'd be staring dead at me. He would make this, like, surprised face, kind of like oh. he was like a deer in the headlights, kind of stuck in a check, like he was doing something wrong. And that's when I was like, okay, something's up. And I, everywhere I went, I would, like, purposely, like, keep, you know, walk a couple steps and then kind of backtrack or, make, like, act like I dropped something to kind of look behind me. And sure enough, he was trying to peek a look at me. He was just like eyeballing me. And everywhere I went, he was behind me someplace. It, it, you know, he'd be tucked off behind like the clothing rack or something. And he was just following me around the place. And it gave me like the biggest kind of like, I don't know, chill up my spine kind of feeling. I told my older brother about it. He jokes about it. It's like, yeah, that guy was going to try to like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, that guy was going to kidnap you, man. That's what that means. But um, I never saw him again, and I hope I never do. That was the weirdest experience I ever had in my life. But uh, what about you? I never had anyone try to kidnap me, per se, or and try to invite me to their car, but it did happen to one of my nieces. This guy, like, apparently kept driving around the neighborhood, and, like, he drove he drove by their house, like, five or six times, and then eventually I guess he got up the courage to stop. I don't remember which one of my nieces it was. It might it might have been my niece Julie, but um, he eventually stopped his car and tried to get her to come over there. He's like, look, he's like, he's like, hey, come here. And she goes over the window. He's like, 
He's like, no, he's like, come, come here. I want to show you something. So he tries to get her to go around the other side. He like reaches over and opens the door. He's like, he's like, I got something in here. I want to show it to you. And he had a little kitten in there. He actually had a kitten, she said, because she loved animals. And she she was she was about to get in there because of the kitten, but eventually I guess she remembered what she was taught and backed away and that was that was that. She went she ran and told her mom, but when whenever she told her mom about it, her mom was pissed. Yeah, <laughs> like, Why'd I you go up Yeah, dude. I'm looking at the comments like Jonathan's thing is funny, but Jamie's is sad. So I don't know. I've got kind of confused how to, <laughs> how to react to. Maybe that was my thing too, Jonathan. <laughs> Oh, so Jamie says, uh, Jamie actually has a kidnapping story here. Let's see if I can get this to go on. They found her. Oh, man, that is sad. That sucks. And and Greg, like, dude, you don't know what it's like getting stalked or followed. It's one of the creepiest feelings because, like, at first you don't want to believe it's true. Like, oh, maybe he's, you know, just kind of, you know, he lost something or but whenever you realize you're being followed, it spooks you in a way that it's like the worst feeling you'll ever have, man. You, see, it's see, like because being I pray. because I have a daughter, I'm always on alert for like people looking at her. Like right. I always look around and like try to take notice of anyone who's looking at her too long. But uh, let's let's continue with the next story. Go ahead. I've been told to share this story online a dozen times and just never had the guts. I think that's probably because no matter how safe I feel, I get the feeling that I'm being watched. This happened back in 2013. I just graduated from high school and got my first job working retail at a local neighborhood Walmart. My manager was a guy named Billy. At the time I was hired, he originally had me running the self-checkouts, but... I'll admit I wasn't exactly enjoying the idea of having to be on my feet all day, so I asked if I could work at the money center or the cigarette counter. Money center was only allowed for employees who had been there for six months or longer, but he did say there was an opening over for cigarettes and tobacco. For some reason, nobody seemed to want it, and of course, because I was the new fish, they didn't explain to me. It didn't take long before I figured it out, though. There was this underage kid that came in frequently and tried to buy some marble lights. Of course, I always asked for ID, and that scared him away. Well, at first he did. Then he started showing up later in the day when it was near the end of my shift, and he was becoming a lot more insistent about cigarettes. Finally, I got his name. He claimed that it was Matt. Honestly, I don't have a clue and still don't to this day. First, I tried to be firm but friendly. Matt... I like you, but this stuff can ruin your health. Matt, I don't think you realize how addictive these things are. Sometimes he would just stop by and chat, and I got the impression that he was starting to flirt. That was when I decided to switch from being nice to laying down the law. Matt, if I report you to the cops for coming in here and pestering me about smokes, you could get thrown in juvie. I remember warning him. I figured that would end the conversation when he hightailed it out of there. That evening on my way to my car though, Matt approached me in the parking lot. Honestly it felt like he had been waiting for me to clock out. I hurried to my car to leave but he was right there behind me. I reached for my keys where I normally keep a small can of mace but he moved faster, 
grabbing my purse and running off across the lot and jumping over a nearby fence. Of course I reported the whole thing to the police and they got permission to check the cameras. Somehow Matt seemed to be aware of where the cameras were positioned because none of the angles showed his face. The cops told me to call again if I got bothered again and my manager said they would get security to walk me to my car each night. A week passed by without incident, then another. Honestly, I kind of forgot about Matt and figured that he'd just grab my spare cash to go get his fix somewhere else. A month or so later, I was on Facebook when I got a friend request from someone named Leon Carroll. No profile pic, no info besides just generic stuff that looked fake. And then a message. You're really pretty. I ignored it, then I got three similar messages from other dummy accounts. Again, I ignored them all and reported it to Facebook. Been around the block enough times to not respond to those scams. And I didn't put two and two together until another message came in with a picture of my house. That's Stop creepy. ignoring me, the message yeah. said. <laughs> Something in my brain wow. clicked that this had to be the kid from Walmart, so I called the cops then and there. Living in a small town, we don't have a cyber unit, so again, I felt like I was wasting my breath. Sounds like it's just an admirer to me, was what one officer even dared to tell me. When I got off of work that night, I found that my admirer had also decided to vandalize my car. Stop ignoring me was sketched out in bold letters on my front door that night. I felt like I just couldn't make a move without this weird kid knowing. Every day on my break, he would send a different anonymous message, usually something really perverted and expect a response. It was unnerving, but I tried to act like it didn't bother me. Again, a week passed and it seemed like he had given up. It was nearly the holidays by this time, so I decided to go to a nearby Sprint store and get a new phone and make new social media so that Matt would stop bothering me. The next two weeks felt like a godsend. I didn't have any more threats or weird texts from dummy accounts. I felt brave enough to even create a dating profile again. I matched with a guy named Richard who asked if I could meet up that night at a local outdoor restaurant. I was feeling confident and didn't see any reason not to. When I got there I was dressed up, thinking I was going to meet a 20-something guy. Instead when I got there I saw who else but this kid sitting there. I think the creepiest thing was how well dressed he was. Not the scruffy little guy I had encountered a few weeks back. Instead, he was dressed to impress, and when he saw me, his eyes sparkled, and he ran to meet me. I was starting to think you wouldn't show, he said. Matt, what are you doing here? I asked. He started rambling about how he had misjudged me, started apologizing about all the weird messages, and explaining he was having a difficult time talking to girls. I just want to be normal. Can't we just have that? But my red flags were brighter than ever. This kid was not stable. He was trying to say all the right things to me, but I didn't want to spend more than even a minute there with him. Somehow I managed to convince him that I was going to freshen up in the bathroom, and when I got there, I dialed 911. Jesus. They got there about six minutes later, and I remember hearing Matt screaming and trying to fight them when they told them that he had to come with them. Later on, I found out that he actually had brought a knife with him because one of the officers said that he had tried to pull it and they tased him. He was sent to juvie, just like I predicted. 
I later found out that he was staying at the local homeless shelter and apparently kept a whole binder full of photos that he had taken of me. Some of them had weird love notes attached as well. Honestly, I feel sorry for the kid. He started out awkward and I thought maybe being friendly would have been the answer to make him get on the right course. But after that, I stopped working the cigarettes counter and got a new job at the hardware store across town. Sometimes I forget about him altogether. And then sometimes, I still get anonymous messages. And it truly triggers me. Oh, shit. <clears throat> so, so, this is what I don't understand about the stalker mindset. Is like when you have that first interaction with a person and you can tell, or maybe maybe they can't, maybe they don't have that trigger to where like the, you can clearly make out that the person is not interested. What makes them continue to pursue and then think that eventually just showing up is going to get them dude, some type you know, of open arm welcome? You know what it is? Dude, it's the, uh, it's, it's all those 80s movies that kind of steered people wrong. <laughs> like, you're, like say you know anything. What? You're probably right. Fucking dude, John Cusack sitting outside the chick's house with a boombox in the middle of like the night at 3 a.m. <laughs> is psycho stuff. Like that's not normal. And then you ever seen a, a, a Valley Girl with Nick Cage in it? Oh, it's an old 80s movie. Man, but Nicolas Cage is the ultimate stalker in this. He's played off like he's a, you know, the, the typical '80s underdog who has to get the chick he can't get. But like, he gets a job at the movie theater, you know, she goes to. He somehow can get a job as a valet where she, you know, drops her car off and hangs out, and he can do whatever. He can basically be in any vicinity she's in on a moment's notice to try to woo her, and it's like that sends so many red flags. Like this guy spends his whole day apparently sending applications to get hired at jobs where she frequents well, just so he can try to hit on. See, well, what was crazy about this last story too, is like this guy brought a knife with him. So that means he already yeah. had a backup plan. <laughs> so like, he's like, well, if she doesn't, if she doesn't just accept no. me and, you know, realize that I just, I'd love her or whatever, then I'm, I'm going to force her. I'm going to take this knife and I'm going to force her. Well, and great. Like, I was going to think like, I don't think that was the backup plan. I think that was the A plan. I think he was, Planning on, you know, killing think her. It was a backup no, that was I, the hardcore. The because I kind of think, I kind of think maybe they're delusional at first. Like they think that somehow the the girl is going to be like you know, flattered by all of it, like all the work that they put into to see him again or something. I don't know. It's, it might be, dude. I think uh, the last little thing I'm going to add is like, it's probably like a um, what do I have to lose mentality. It's like. She's probably not going to like me, so why not just put all my uh, chips in and uh, just, that, you know. <laughs> brought the knife for the whole if I can't have her, no one will type thing. Maybe. Um, yeah, who, who knows? <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's go to number three here. Hold on, hold on a second. Look at Jonathan's last one. Did you see that? I was oh, yeah, I, I put it up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. He's probably the one doing all this shit in the store. See, see, this guy has my favorite voice out of all of them because he's so, I don't know, just something about it. I don't know. He sounds like he believes everything he says. Might have planned to threaten to kill himself, as she said. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's, that's true also, yeah. Didn't think about that. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. I don't understand the stalker mindset. Maybe, maybe if I listen to more of these, I'll get some clues. When I was in college, I met this guy that became absolutely obsessed with me. It didn't matter that I was dating someone else. It didn't matter that I told him to leave me alone. It got so bad that I actually had to fail some of my classes and leave campus. He was getting his associate's degree in cosmetology and we met after class one spring morning. I was friendly to him, introduced him to my boyfriend at the time, Craig, and we went our separate ways. I remember telling him I thought it was neat that he was going to become a hairstylist. Not many guys I knew got into the... F I had to comment on that before we continue here. That's just nuts, Jamie. Yeah, like, I don't know, man, being... Being a girl in that situation's got to be hard. I can't. I can't even. I told imagine you about it. my mall situation, man. It, it, anybody, dude, you're getting followed. You don't know what anyone's capable of, man. So, it's, and what it's, kind of stories they came up with? Right. <laughs> Field. He was a little awkward and shy. Clearly, still didn't know how to talk to girls. But he thanked me and said he hoped to see me in class soon. That night, he sent me a friend request on Facebook, and honestly, I didn't see the harm in responding. His profile said that he was from the same neighborhood as me growing up, and I decided to be friendly and ask about his family. He responded almost right away, teasing that I had stalked his profile and said that he grew up almost a block from where my parents lived. Yeah, it's crazy we never met before, I told him. He admitted that he didn't know me or remember ever seeing me, but he did say that he thought my name sounded familiar. Nothing about the conversation would have led me to think that he was going to go completely bonkers in less than 24 hours. I told him that I hoped to get to know him better in class and logged out. I always turn my phone off at night so I can get a good night's sleep. Even my folks know that. If it's an emergency, I can't help anyway, I always say. The next day, this dude has sent me at least 300 messages. 300? My Jesus. phone blew up with all these notifications and it took me a minute to figure out what was happening. I read them through as fast as I could and honestly I don't remember much mm. about it except that he went off the rails very quickly. First apologizing about not knowing me, then making up some experience where he thought maybe he did know me. Then he was rambling about his life, his problems and how no one understood him. I was beginning to feel he was mentally unstable if the plethora of messages wasn't already evidence enough. Late in the wave of texts, he was becoming angry that I wasn't responding. He was so mad that he started threatening me, my boyfriend, and even my parents. Rambling about how he knew that I was a pathetic excuse for a daughter, that I would never amount to anything and that I should just give up and die. It freaked me out so bad, so I just deleted and blocked him immediately. I told Craig about it, and he told me not to get too worried. I'll stay with you when you go from class to class. We have the same schedule, so if this weirdo does try something crazy, I'll be right there, he told me. That sounded good and all, but the next day, Craig had to go see about his car. He was never good at keeping his words, so when I went to class, this dude followed me the whole way. He kept his distance know, and right? didn't say anything, but I knew he was following me. He sat behind me in the <laughs> seminars we attended too. I mentioned to the teacher, not wanting to cause any problems, just that I was freaked out. The teacher actually had the audacity to call him out right there in class in front of everyone and tell him to say that he would stop bothering. I felt humiliated and frustrated because I knew this guy was borderline sociopathic from the texts I had gotten, and immediately after class he confronted me, asking why I ratted him out. 
thought we were friends, he told me. I tried to make him leave me alone, told him that his messages scared me a little and he just became more irritated. He even tried to follow me into the ladies' restroom. I remember he was cursing and getting angry, banging on the door and telling me he just wanted to talk. I got on my phone and called security. The college made a big fuss about it because when the officer did come, this dude lied his way out of stalking me, claiming that I had stolen something from him. <clears throat> he had pictures of this necklace that he said he had given to me as a gift, said that we were dating and I decided to break it off and flush the necklace down the toilet. I tried to tell college security that was all a lie, but this guy was really convincing, so they punished me instead. What? I had to miss two days <laughs> of class crap. due to a disciplinary suspension. That actually went on for a few months. Craig would always have something to do the days that this guy would follow me around campus, and he knew how to lie his way out of any situation. It was unnerving because no matter where I went, <laughs> he was there too. He was smart enough to not ever bother me when anyone else was around, but when I was alone, he would always try to get close to me. One time he grabbed me and pinned me to a wall. I think he expected I was going to scream or something because he smiled and said he liked when I played hard to get. Damn, Only thanks to two girls going. walking by did he let me go. I usually would have to go hide in the bathroom until it was time for my next course, and even then he was just standing there waiting outside. Eventually it got really bad because he had convinced a lot of people at the campus that we were sleeping with each other. Like I said, this guy was cunning. He was a good student, never got in trouble, and he was very convincing. Even Craig almost believed that story because somehow the guy was photoshopping me into pictures with him on Instagram. It was almost the end of semester by this point and I had enough so I found an excuse to use some sick time and stay at home until time for finals. But this guy actually came to my dorm and tried to get in. And this was the last straw for me because even after I managed to prove to officers that he was the culprit, he managed to smooth talk his way out of trouble again. Up Craig was the one who suggested I should drop out and finish fall classes, so that's what I did. I changed my number and moved back in with my parents. I think sometimes after that night, this guy would try to sneak over and see if my window was open because I caught a figure on the streets a few times late at night. But eventually, after my dad bought a home security system, he stopped. It still rattles me to this day to think that I was this close to getting really, really hurt. Pause that immediately. You gotta talk about this guy. <laughs> yeah, for starters, man, it's like it, he he didn't get caught. This guy's still out there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what part of that got you, Greg? Because that story was crazy, like how he kept lying and how he got out of it multiple times. Well, I think that just too. <clears throat> a good lie, a good lie. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying, Jonathan. That's one of them guys that's <laughs> you got to take him out because you'd think after the first time, though, that's the thing that gets me. We were talking about this before, Greg. It was like the repeat offenders. It's like after the first time people let you know, like you're they're on to you, you think you'd quit, go straight, but <clears throat> like the fact that he kept continuing shows like boldness like he was getting braver and braver kind of up in his game a little bit what do you think man <clears throat> all i could think of now because of jonathan is when he said shoot him 
I, I thought of that movie, Sarah uh, Saving Silverman. <clears throat> and there's a scene in that movie when uh, they go to visit their old coach. And um, it's totally unrelated, I guess. But <laughs> they go to visit their old coach in, um, in prison. And, like, they talk about how they how they kidnapped kidnapped uh, their friend's girlfriend. And before they can get anything else out, I was like, yeah, so, so we kidnapped... Uh, so-and-so's girlfriend and the coach is like kill her <laughs> just immediately jumps right to kill her they're like well okay. we haven't even told you it's like so he's like okay so they get off and they tell the story of like you know what they plan to do like so what do we do and he's like kill her <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that needs to apply to this guy man it was actually the coach was actually uh i don't know the actor's name <clears throat> it was a drill sergeant from um uh full metal jacket what's that guy's name Arlie Ernie. <clears throat> yeah, he was a coach. He's the one who was like, killer. <laughs> Man, I don't know what the hell. It's got in jo- my throat. Jonathan says he's jealous of that necklace lie. Yeah, it was oh, a yeah. pretty smooth lie. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to lie. This dude was pretty smooth. Like, and he's, and like you said, soccer. he's still out there. Yeah, he's probably <clears throat> he's probably upgraded a full-blown rapist at this point. And they did and they did the classic thing too to where she tries to get help and then they turn it around on her like she gets in trouble. Yeah, like that's uh unheard of, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I have never seen that one before, but All right. Go ahead. Here we go. This quarantine made me question a lot of life decisions I made. Back in February when this all started, I was working two jobs living with my best friend Lexi and enjoying the high life. Then we got thrown into lockdown and I swear, Lexi changed immediately. She was so serious about all the virus restrictions that even when I was in the house I had to wear a mask. I'm not even trying to downplay this by any means, but she was taking it to religious extremes here. Anyway, after one particular argument about washing my clothes three times, one for normal wash, one on heavy, and once a third time just to be safe, I had enough and told her I was going to move out. That was dumb move number one. I was already out of work, waiting and hoping for unemployment, and really didn't have a place to go. I get a lie in his back pocket. My parents are elderly and live two states away, so I wasn't going to risk that. Then I got the brilliant idea to post an ad that I needed a room to Very true, Jamie. List. Very true. Yes, that still exists and is still just as sleazy. Lexi forced me to move out that same day, though calling me all sorts of bad names as she tossed my stuff on her front lawn. I didn't even get a chance to argue. So yeah, desperate times called for desperate measures, and I put an ad on Facebook too with a revealing picture of myself. Call me what you will, but it worked. This older gentleman responded to the ad and contacted me via email. The short message provided me with a small allowance for my gas and instructions on how to get into his apartment when I got there. I didn't ask any questions. Although, looking back on it, I really should have. You know that saying about too good to be true? Anyway, I grabbed a bite to eat and made it there around 5.30 on foot to save a taxi fee. Place looked nice enough, and I followed his instructions to get buzzed in. He lived on the sixth floor and explained that because of some medical condition, he couldn't meet me in the lobby. Again, stupid me, I didn't ask questions. As he told me in the email, there was a key waiting for me under his doormat. Inside the place looked nice, well put together. Nothing that made me paranoid or feel the need to run. Then I saw this guy standing in the kitchen wearing, I kid you not, a kabuki mask. 
At first I laughed because of how bizarre That's it was. That's creepy. He said his name was Hano and he wanted to keep the mask on because of the quarantine and provided me with one as well with a dragon design on it. He even claimed it was far safer <clears throat> than those other N95 masks and hey, I was getting a place to sleep so I figured why not. Next few minutes were him rambling about different things in the apartment and he showed me to the room. This is where things got a little creepy. I saw that he had some mannequins on display that were wearing traditional Japanese kimono dresses with other kabuki and they were all lined perfectly on the side of the bed. <laughs> he insisted I pick one out and get changed. Again, his reasoning was my clothing had the virus on it. Once he excused himself, I sat down on the bed and tried to convince myself that this was normal. So, he was a little eccentric. It's not like he was trying to do something worse than that, right? I went over to one of the mannequins. I think he was wearing a scarlet kimono and took off the clothing, figuring that I needed to suck it up and appreciate the kindness of strangers. Then the mask it was wearing accidentally fell off, and I noticed that there was a hand-painted face on the other side. It looked very realistic. <clears throat> Once I got finished changing, I went back to the main room where he was now cooking up a fresh meal, and he complimented me on how well the dress fit. I thanked him and casually mentioned the hand <clears throat> painting. Would you like me to do one for you? He asked. Yeah. You only saw me when I, I first know, came right? in. I pointed out, gesturing to the mask I was wearing. It's alright. I've already memorized you. He said. I told him no and we ate in awkward silence as my eyes glanced around the room. I think the first thing that really made me concerned was when I realized I didn't see an open window in the place and that the door had a deadbolt on it. Do you get a lot of break-ins? I asked him. And again, in a deadpan voice, he said, more often than not, it's the other way around. Wait, what? And then a few seconds later, he <laughs> laughed and I laughed back nervously. <clears throat> he told me that he was going to bed and thanked me for staying with him, but I really didn't feel like I wanted to now. Hey, I, uh, forgot to go grab my phone charger in the car. Where's the spare key? I remember Run! asking. I was just going for an excuse to get out of there, honestly. This dude had an answer for everything, and this time used my own <clears throat> words against me. Oh, shit. Crime it's is bad. Smooth operator. And it's getting late. You can borrow one of mine and go in the morning. Now, I may not be smart, but I knew that staying probably would mean something bad. I got a sixth sense about it, you know? I have an iPhone. I think you've got Samsung. I said, hoping that my feeling was wrong and that he wasn't being overly creepy. Again, a dead stare and serious voice. You're not leaving. Oh. He said something in Japanese a second after that and clapped his hands. I don't know why I've never noticed that he had some of those sensor lights and it got dark in the room a second later. <clears throat> oh, damn. My instinct was to scream, but he placed something over my mouth and I felt immediately faint. Oh, but somehow I managed to not black psycho. out and I elbowed him right in the gut. Yeah. Everything happened so fast after that. I turned was around 50 and shades of gray? I think was his head and demanded that he tell <laughs> me where the key was. I felt something smash against my side. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, I was thinking the same thing. I think thing. I kicked him and managed to hit the wall where the light switch was. I think I've seen I this I flipped movie. it back on and saw that he had fallen over the couch and one of his ornate antiques had smashed. To my thanks, it was also where the spare key was hiding. 
I grabbed it up and ran to the door as I heard him cuss something in his native tongue again, but I never looked back. When I got downstairs, I told the lobby I needed an Uber stat. I didn't care about money, I just wanted to leave. <clears throat> I saw the elevator moving downward as I raced out the door, and maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me, but I heard Hano ask the receptionist where I went. When I got far enough away from his apartment, I texted Lexi and begged her to let me back with her. I promised to never complain about all her quarantine rules again. I told Lexi the whole thing when she did a little digging, and the icing on top of this creep cake is that the guy apparently had been doing this for some time. Apparently he would target young women that were either trying to get out of a bad relationship or family situation and promise free rent, but then turned out to be a total creep, watching them night and day when they stayed with him. Two of the women Lexi said had gone completely missing. It made me think of those weird mannequins and I wondered if maybe the paintings he did were tributes to victims of a sick mind. I didn't want to think about how he had likely researched about me in the same way and how easily I could have wound up on that missing persons list. She should have left as soon as this dude put on the fucking kabuki mask. Yeah, the mannequins were a dead giveaway as well. <laughs> this sounds like, what? Where, where are they finding people like this at? <laughs> like I was, so he had his own spot where he was just pretty much his own lair, almost, with like like deadbolt locks, sensor lights. And what did he have, like some like chloroform or something? Was he trying to put something over her mouth? Yeah, he was trying to knock her out. This guy was something else. Why did he have a spare key, though, you think? Because then she knocked something over and she found the spare key hiding in the vase or something? I don't know. I don't know about the spare key. Maybe. Yeah, that part is. <laughs> sounds like. Uh, but I like Jonathan's comment, man. It did sound like something out of a movie plot, but uh, I don't know. Life be like that sometimes. <laughs> What's up, Corey? <clears throat> Yeah, I, I'm not sure why they wouldn't call the cops. But Corey, jump in. <laughs> we need you. Kabuki masks are scary in general. So you said why didn't they call the cops? I don't know why not. Like that's a good point, but I think she ran to some place, didn't she? Actually, actually though, like uh, on one of those previous stories, I was thinking about something. Whenever she like tried to report it to the, you know how the cops are, like. If you try to report anything online or something like that to him, they never take you seriously at first. <clears throat> like they they try to play it off, especially if it's online shit. Jay, what's up, man? What's up, Jay? I don't know, dude. It's <laughs> like you got to think about it because I think Jamie said it earlier. She said that you know it's hard to nab someone for stalking because you know unless there's previous like attempts, like blatant. You know, attempts. It's kind of hard to say. Oh, this guy didn't by coincidence just be shopping at the same mall as me. Oh, it turns he just bumped into me because it, it turns out we work out at the same place. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> hard to say. You need evidence, man. It's kind of hard to prove that you're being 100% stocked unless there's like a pattern established. Sadly, though, in the event of someone who's already got intent, that first time may be the only time so yeah J J and that's another thing jonathan's like she was at the dude's place this time so that's and the whole another thing she went there yeah. 
So how do you get him for that? And um, it's a good point, man. All excellent points. But I was going to say something, Greg. Stockton's scary because it's like it's that, that base kind of uh, from there. You can kind of springboard into anything, right? Like you, you can go from stalker to murder, stalker to like you can kind of splinter off into different things. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is it is there's the different levels of crazy when it comes to the stalker. You don't know if like they're just that, just the the person who stalks and doesn't do anything about it. They just stalk, or if it's the one who's already got a plan in motion. So and they're just trying to upgrade or something, you know, saying kind of feeling around to see if they can try other things. So yeah, te- testing their environment to see. Test it yeah. a little more each time to see what they can get away with. <laughs> yep, exactly. <clears throat> serial killers, dude, they always start off like that. You know, it's like uh, even, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, all those guys start off stalking or doing some crazy weirdo shit and then just completely devolving into like full-blown monsters. So. All right. Continuing on. Boom. <clears throat> So this happened when I was in high school and still trying to figure out my orientation. I wasn't straight, I wasn't gay, but it was also the early 90s and I was smart enough to know not to mention anything beyond the norm to my classmates. Most of them accepted that I was just not into dating, but this one chick would not take no for an answer. Let's call her Becky. Becky was on the cheer squad, extremely popular and very bubbly. At least that's how she made sure she appeared to anyone who saw her. I saw the other side of Becky, her darker side where she would taunt me in the cafeteria, calling me belittling names and shame me on any chance she got. Being the queen bee, Becky never got in trouble for what she did. It even got so bad that I told the school counselor, but that didn't help any. You just need to man up, they said. Then they gave me a cheesy brochure about learning how to be a better Christian or some nonsense like that. I threw it in the trash the second I left his office. But that little incident didn't make me furious enough to fight back the next time she tried to pull a prank. <laughs> it was lunch, and she and her friends were making sounds and pretending I was a pig, so... I went over and spilled my food all over their table. It felt pretty good doing that, to be honest. And later, after sixth period, Becky confronted me in the hallway. It was pretty gutsy back there, Steve, she said. I thought she was going to pull another prank or maybe even try to start a fight since I had nowhere to run. Instead, to my surprise, she leaned in and kissed me right on the lips. I remember being confused and shocked. Then she started chatting about how she found it hot, that I played hard to get and wanted to know if maybe I wanted to go on a date. That was a complete 180 behavior from before, so I was suspicious. Besides, which I really wasn't interested. I cautiously told her I would think about it and she gave me her phone number but I still felt it had to be a prank. She refused to leave until I gave her my home phone number too though and including my online screen name. And that evening back home I started getting messages. She was sending messages that were provocative and it made me uncomfortable. I told her to stop and she even sent a picture. My brother's in the room with me and surprised when he saw that and even started whistling. Wait until mom (laughs) sees this. She's going to hear about it, he teased. It's not like that. This girl is taunting me. You know, I'm not into girls like that. Well, (laughs) send her my way. She's hot, he said. I remember rolling my eyes, and shooting messages back to (laughs) Becky, 
thinking it would possibly end this whole charade if she found out that I told my family. To my surprise, she agreed to start chatting with my brother. Okay. Things kind of escalated quickly after that. Becky became my brother's girlfriend in less than a week and was over to our house two or three times during the week for study sessions. My parents weren't the brightest bunch but insisted that I chaperone them. Often that still led to them making out with each other. And every time they did, I got this really creepy sensation that Becky was putting on a show, like she was just pretending to like my brother to make me jealous. Yep. Sometimes I saw her look at me as she would grind on him. I would tell them to stop, and they would both giggle and tell me I didn't like it, I could just leave the room. I warned them I would tell mom and dad, which of course infuriated my brother, and he shoved me out after that. I held true to that though and ratted them out. Becky could only Snitch. come over once a week after that. At school, she kept up the acting. She was interested in me, though, sending me Where, dirty messages over instant messenger telling me to not show anyone, especially not my brother. She also warned me if I did say something, she was going to tell the whole school that I was coming out as trans. No, this was the Deep South, by the way, and at that time, coming out like that would be a death sentence. And I felt trapped. I couldn't <laughs> tell my brother. My parents and the school wouldn't listen. And Becky just kept making things worse. This went on for about two months. She would try <laughs> yeah. to make out with me every day yeah, at school. And I would manage to get away or hide in the restroom till next period. And then when she came to see my brother, she would <laughs> flaunt herself at me. Guess so. I tried to tell my brother that she was obviously obsessed with me, but he said I was imagining things. Things came to a head at around Halloween. There was a dance that the whole school was attending and my parents were also going to be out of town. I got sick before the dance and stayed home and my brother went to go pick Becky up while I laid down. Now the next part I can only say happened per what my brother told me. But apparently Becky started acting weird at the dance and said that she felt sick. Then she slipped away to the restroom. Well he got impatient and went to find her and discovered that she had left. Like left the school entirely. He told me he drove back home, not thinking much of it. Maybe she was really sick. Then when he got home, he saw that our front door was wide open. He oh, woke wow. me up after that and told me that we had a break-in. We called her mother and father, and they told us to check their home security system. I remember my brother was pacing the room as he was on the telephone with her mom and dad, and his face went white as a sheet. What is it? I asked. It was Becky. He explained. I didn't understand at first why she would break in, but he explained that according to mom and dad, she had brought a camera and came up to my room where I was sleeping and just took pictures of me, like for about 20 minutes until my brother got home. <laughs> After that, That's my weird. brother broke up with her and my parents refused to let either one of us have anyone over to the house for like six months, and we filed a restraining order against Becky and even used the security footage as evidence. She left me alone, thankfully, but she sometimes would smile and wink every blue moon. To this day, I have no idea what she did with those pictures, and <clears throat> the cops said unless she posted them somewhere or potentially did something worse, she really didn't break any sort of privacy laws. A year later, she moved away, but I still think about all the grief she gave me and wonder why she was so obsessed. I don't think I really want to know the answer, though. Alright, what do you think of that one, Greg? 
I think she really wanted that D if she's willing to take the brother's D to get to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to make of that story. I, I, it's what I don't know, man. That's crazy. She was just obsessed with the brother, man, like the older brother, and she was willing to use any means necessary to get there to see him, I guess, by pretending to date the brother. But she didn't really seem that scary to me, honestly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like trying to put myself in a situation. And I'm like, I don't know. Is she <laughs> I don't know though, man. Taking pictures of them while they're sleeping is kind of weird. That part, yeah, that's the weird part. That's that's like the, the baby steps to being a serial killer. Exactly. All right, let's see what we got next. Should have two more, I think. My family decided they to take a road trip in the summer. Restrictions were lightening up in our state, and we really were sick and tired of being cooped up. So my wife suggested we surprise our folks upstate and drive to see Oops. them. We were about an hour into our <laughs> trip when we ran into some highway construction outside of Galveston and had to take a detour. Traffic was bad, I was angry, the kids were whiny, and I remember pushing my foot down on the pedal and flooring it to go around a couple of cars at one merge to get going. Daniel, my wife chastised me about it right after it happened. Split-second impulse temper, I guess. Anyways, as we went down the highway, I pointed out that a black Ford pickup truck had decided to cut by and was coming up behind us. Oh, so if they jump off a bridge, you would too? She questioned me. I rolled my eyes and just focused on the road while she decided to take a short nap. I guess it was 20 miles later I noticed that the pickup was still behind us and I thought that was a little strange. There had been enough gaps in highway merges that at least a little distance should have been made, but no, this driver had somehow managed to maintain closeness to us. I kept my eye on them for another 40, some sense of danger softly ringing in the back of my head, I guess. But then I had to pull over and get gas, so I figured that they would just drive on, and they did, and I chalked it up to me being just a little paranoid. As I got out to fill up, I asked my wife and kids if they wanted a snack and went in to grab something. When I came back, I think I felt like I was doing one of those classic double takes from the movies. This black truck was right behind us at the pumps, and not only that, a gentleman had hopped out of his cab and was apparently chatting with my wife. I walked over to the snacks and smiled cordially at them trying to figure out if I was just seeing things, but it was definitely the same truck. Howdy, name's Mitch. I was just getting friendly with the missus here. Said y'all are headed towards Galveston? He asked with a strong southern twang. Yeah, family road trip. His southern twang yeah. is his regular voice. Though. Oh, just about the same. Nice. I figured that was the case since you've been behind us a while. I was hoping to catch him off guard, but the man just gave a short laugh. Didn't mean to, but I guess that's what happens been on each other's tails since you decided to cut everyone off at that last interstate turn-off, huh? That sounds like an accusation. Yeah, what's up, Court? I blurted out. What's up? What's up, man? later chided me for antagonizing the man, and maybe I shouldn't have, but he was definitely giving off some very strange vibes. And this was before things got crazy. He didn't take the bait when I said that. Instead, just tipped his hat and waltzed back to his truck, and I got an earful from Brittany. I mean, he scared me at first, but 
think he's just a little lonely. She offered. <laughs> right. Well, he can go make friends somewhere else. I said as we drove down the highway again. I felt like I couldn't get away from the truck fast enough. About another hour passed by and my wife was checking her social media when I noticed she got this frown on her face. Something up? I asked. I had all but forgotten about the strange encounter. Uh, it's just kind of weird. Remember that driver we met a while back? He just sent me a friend request on Facebook. What? Uh, well, delete it, I said bluntly. She chastised me again, but I was serious. Something didn't feel right. I checked to see if he was following us, and Brittany got on to me for being a worrywart. He's not a serial killer, she teased. How do you know? But she listened to me and blocked him on Facebook. We were halfway to our destination and decided to stop and get a bite to eat when he showed up again. It was this Waffle House right off the interstate. <clears throat> Honestly, I hadn't seen him in about 40 miles, so I was surprised that he had caught up. He just came in, ordered his food, and sat down. Brittany said something about it and I told her to ignore it. I kept getting this feeling that he was watching us as we ate. Finally, she had gotten tired of my paranoia and walked over to this guy's booth. My husband wants to know if you're following us, she said. The guy just laughed so loud I think the whole diner heard him. He rattled off some flimsy excuse I didn't buy and then asked if she got his friend request. I was furious and got up and grabbed her hand. Look, I don't know what your problem is, I said. Then this guy stood up and looked me dead in the eye like he was going to fight me then and there. One of the waitresses told us to take it outside, but I chose to leave before things got serious. When we got on the road again, Brittany realized that she had lost her phone at the diner. Let me use yours so I can Google where it's at, she told me. Using that Find My iPhone feature, she soon saw that it wasn't at the diner. It was moving down the highway towards us. I knew it had to be the other driver who found it and took it. God, is this guy seriously stalking us? I asked. My wife panicked and tried to call the phone, but it went straight to voicemail. Then she started checking her social media. <laughs> Daniel, this is scaring me. She said as she showed me that he had taken multiple pictures of our car as he had followed us for the last several hours. Call the cops, I told her as I tried to check my mirror and see where he was. About five cars behind us. Okay, there's a rest stop ahead. Tell them that we'll meet them there, I said as she got on the phone with someone. They're saying it could be another 45 minutes since we're so far out, she said frantically as I pulled over. Right on cue, the other driver did too. Right, stay in the car then, I said when he pulled up behind us. Honestly, I was prepared to defend my family then and there, but this guy took it to another level. He pulls out a sawed-off shotgun from his passenger side. Damn, he ain't fucking around. Me, blasting straight at my tires. <laughs> I fell to the ground and shouted Holy for my shit. wife to do the same. He did so again on the driver's side and drove off. When the cops came, I did my best to offer a description of him and his vehicle, and they gave us phone numbers for a tow to the next town. We made it there a little after dinner, and honestly, I was so shaken and rattled by the encounter, I just wanted to go home. We even added the additional social media profile, hoping that it could help them find the person. And a few days later, they told us that they had found the vehicle. It had been abandoned somewhere, and apparently it was registered 
as stolen. So we had no clue who this guy was. <laughs> Worst part about this whole story is that it's not really over. Every so often, my wife will see pictures of our car on social media. And know for a fact, it's gotta be the same guy. Pause that immediately. That's uh... so, so. There went her story of uh, oh, th there's no way he's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, he was something. I mean, the whole sh the this whole thing happening, and it's like no one ever got this guy. No one wrote down. Well, I guess they did write plates, but it was a stolen vehicle. I don't know. How long are you lasting on with a stolen vehicle with a sawed-off shotgun, just driving across state lines? Eventually, you get caught or something. I don't know. Pretty scary though. What would you do in that situation, uh, Lawrence? I mean, shit, man. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have cameras or nothing in the diner that could take his face. Or, I mean, this must this must have happened like in the '90s or the '80s, because like I'm thinking now, and like there's too much. Well, no, they said they had social media, because dude, there's cameras everywhere now. There's so much facial recognition stuff out there that. You do even with your mask on now with the COVID, they can still get you. You know, there's still a database that has that has your information that they can find you just with the cameras and stores and what have you, in waffle houses and diners and street traffic cameras. Some know. of those cameras are really shitty though, man. I like, don't know, man. Like I, like here's the thing, like stretch. like Walmart tries to boast about how good their cameras are, but like anytime they bring me a picture of someone that's like supposed to be a thief there. The picture always sucks. Like any picture they're able to capture off the video is always like shit. Like it's like, okay, so I'm looking for a smudge wearing a hoodie and a ball cap. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll, I'll also contend your, your one comment there that, uh, because I was just there this weekend, no one's having a good picture taken in the waffle house. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> but Greg, you remember? Uh, it's I mean, it's not like this or anything, but you remember that time we were out looking for that haunted house, and that car followed us all the way back, pretty much, right? Oh fuck! I totally forgot about that story. Yeah, what? This sounds like the best part of this whole thing. Tell me the story. Was that the weird night too? That like it smelled like tea in yes. the air. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, like how far did that car follow us? Like, wasn't it like all the way from Darmstadt or something? Yeah, so like, I don't know, like 25, 30 miles. What the fuck? How did this start? Take us from the beginning to the, the end. Okay, so we're, uh, I'd always heard this this uh, story from friends about this house that was like, I don't think it was a ghost, but it was like some weird guy lived in this house and people used to go out and like check out the house and he would do weird stuff. So we would like, we went out one night looking for this house, didn't find it, but on the way back, this car started following us and like every turn we took, it kept coming behind us every time, like 30 miles towards home. So yeah, that's we finally lost him. I think we were out in the country, and I I knew that area, so I was able to duck around like curves really quick and lose them. But <laughs> and I I don't know what the hell we were smelling in the air that night, but like we're sitting in the car, and I'm like losing my shit back there because I'm like, why does it smell like tea? And I'm like, and I was like, 
I forget exactly what I said. I was like, doesn't smell like unsweet tea. It smells like sweet tea. Or no, it was like, you're just like, that ain't instant tea. That's brewed tea. Oh, yeah, that's right. It smells like brewed tea. <laughs> do you think it had something to do with him that maybe, what what is the significance of that? Of the, I, I don't think there's any significance of where we were. It was just the fact that, like, someone was following us, you know? Dude, that's the thing is like, and when you realize you're being followed, like at first you kind of dismiss it. You always dismiss it. <laughs> right, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> he was British. He was loaded. He's doing it as, as he's driving, sitting there, just making this tea. <laughs> just couldn't help himself. He had the tea and crumpets with him. But uh, Corey, when you realized you're being followed by this guy, what, what ran through your mind? Well, I mean, that, I kept taking like... Um, just these weird turns to see if that was the case, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what like, that's what, that's what really uh, made it apparent is because like we were taking oddball turns. Like you really only go down if you live down that way. Cause like it's off the beaten path of the highway and shit. So like, why, why would you take the long way? If, right. if you could take the short, short way. <laughs> Jonathan's on a roll. He's like, he's <laughs> pinky out and everything. Just drive like this, chasing y'all. Probably was the uh, British taxi from regular show or something. I don't know. Can't wait to see where these bloody chaps are going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Walsh right. and Gromit. All right, I guess let's get the the last story in. It's kind of funny, Corey. You always jump in on like the the like right before the last story. That's all All those posts on my Facebook feed about New Year's resolutions have had me thinking about an experience I had a few years back that I still have a hard time dealing with emotionally. Anytime I think about it, I actually feel like my stomach gets in knots and I need to vomit. It was that bad. This isn't actually my first experience with a stalker, but it's the one that comes fresh to my mind this time of year. It was February and I had just gotten my tax refund, so my best friend convinced me to join her local legends gym. Yeah! I told myself this was the year I was going to make a change and get healthy. I think everyone says that. Anyway, what I really liked about this gym was that they would give all members a passcode and you could come at weird hours to work out. Since I usually have to work a split shift as a CNA, having the chance to swing by the gym super early when I clocked out was a blessing. Usually I'll get off around 2 in the morning, so of course there weren't very many people using the equipment. It was like a literal ghost town. A little creepy though. Especially since they had obnoxious 80s music constantly on repeat throughout the entire building. I settled into routine with that gym. First a short shower and then heading over to the ladies only section. That was another thing I thought was nice about the place. Fellas, don't get me wrong, but I am a bit self-conscious and I prefer to do my workouts in private. In that separate part of the building, I was usually the only one there. It was even quieter back there because the music was muffled, and I'll admit that there were a few times that I thought it was a bit eerie. Sometimes you hear something, and at that time of the morning, it gives you the jitters, you know? Somehow I convinced myself to stick to the routine, even when my bestie dropped off the wagon in March. I was determined, and honestly the membership fee was one of those locked-in contracts, so you know what a hassle it is to get out of that. And despite the emptiness of the gym, I convinced myself that it was okay. Since no one was there, I couldn't possibly be bothered, right? Well, a few weeks passed, and 
I was getting on one of the exercise bikes when I noticed something strange attached to the monitor. I paused in my workout and took it off, trying to figure out what it was supposed to be. It was smaller than my finger. Then I noticed a reflective surface and I realized that it was some kind of camera. I stopped working out immediately and went home, a little freaked out. I told my bestie about it the next day, asking if she had ever seen anything like that while she was at the gym. Oh yeah, girl, they do that all the time. It's in the contract you sign, she said nonchalantly. I tried again to explain her why it bothered me. She has never really understood my experience previously with stalkers. these stalkers perverts? That is another story. <laughs> Some guy's giving me that much attention. Well, kinda, I would jump the on MO. there. I guess. If it really bothers you, though, yeah, why can't they just said, be perverts without the stock? Talk to Mike, the general manager, and I'm sure he can calm me down. <laughs> I did that the next day, leaving for work early so I could meet this Mike guy beforehand. He was a lanky man in his mid twenties and seemed nice enough. And when I told him about the camera, he did actually show genuine concern. Huh? That is weird. And you found it over where? I guided him over to the bike and showed him where it was attached. Uh, it's definitely not one of ours, he told me. He promised that he would look into it and figure out if someone was tampering with the machines, but just the confirmation that it was apparently a hidden camera made me feel extremely on edge. I stopped going to that gym after that and my mind constantly was conjuring up crazy scenarios about maybe one of my exes having found out that I worked there. I've managed to break well, away from two obsessive ex-boyfriends before and it literally made me panic to think that one of them might be back in my life. I was trying to get my life right and I didn't need this drama at all. I think a day or two passed and Mike contacted me. Hey, I think we figured out who was messing with the equipment, but there's a problem, he said. And that didn't sound good. Hmm. I remember my heart dropped when I asked why. Well... On camera, I can see them coming into the gym when another member enters. They go work out casually for a few hours until the building is kind of empty, and then I spotted them slip the camera on the machine and leave. But when they leave and enter, they don't scan a membership card. I'm pretty sure whoever this is, they actually aren't supposed to be here. Wow. That made me even more freaked out. I asked if I could come by the next day to check the cameras and see if I recognized the person. I was completely convinced that it had to be one of my exes. When I got there the next day, I even insisted that my bestie come with me. I felt that paranoid going into that gym again. We watched the security tape together with Mike and I kept waiting for him to identify who the guy was, but much to my surprise, he told me it was a girl. Some tall, blonde, fit chick that came in odd hours, always waiting until a member entered or left. I didn't recognize her at all. I checked the times. It's probably just a coincidence that they chose that machine. They weren't targeting you. Anyways, we put up a warning to anyone else. We don't want any pervs in this facility, obviously. Mike told me. I did feel a sense of relief after that, and Mike did post a grainy picture of the perpetrator near the front desk, so I actually convinced myself to start working out again. It didn't take but two days before I saw this blonde at the gym, though, and I swear seeing her in the flesh made my blood run cold. Like Mike said that she waited until someone came into the building and slipped in. Then she would go work out in the ladies' room. When I was there, it was just me and her. 
And I got this really weird feeling that she was just <laughs> watching me. I mean, was it her? <laughs> and was I the one being targeted by her? John, my makeup. Really I'm just going to use your equipment. I thought maybe I should confront her, figuring out if it was her and what she wanted. But she left before I mustered up enough courage. When I left, though, I found out that someone had taken my clothes from my locker and I panicked again. I knew it had to be the mystery stalker. I canceled my gym membership after that. Despite the fees, I told myself it wasn't worth dealing with this crazy woman or any legal process that I would have had to gone through with him. My friend rejoined a few months later and, get this, the blonde girl apparently had even gotten a job there. Uh -oh. My bestie always said that the blonde would ask about me if I was coming back to the gym. Dear God, I don't plan to. I bought a stationary bike and started working out at home. I think she quit a little after that when she realized that I wasn't coming back, and it was so hard to pin it on her. I still wonder what she was doing, why she was constantly filming me, and whether I should still be on edge. What the f all, so, all, all she was interested in was her workout routine. She liked her body. She wanted to attain the same body. So she was yeah, a I mean, trying what, to <laughs> The part that's weird is, okay, so they know who this person is. They have the photo at the front desk, and they still hired her anyways. Like, Explain that one. So they didn't really give two shits whether this person was you know, stalking anybody. Setting so, up hidden cameras on. That's a weird story, though, man. Who the hell, like... I wonder if she was actually the target. And that reminds me of this story. It's kind of unrelated, but remember they, they got that man. He was working out uh, naked at the uh, the Planet Fitnesses, and they asked him what he was doing. And he said, I thought this was judgment-free. So, you know, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing in a position like that, you know? I'm pretty sure all these stalkers and these calls are into swords and sandals movies. <laughs> uh, but I'm into swords and sandals movies. What are you trying to say? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Corey's <laughs> going to struggle with that list. But, uh. Can you even. Do you think you're even going to be able to come up with. You know what I'm the just, best. Part I'm is? just putting shit on the list. I'm, I'll, I'll judge them based on trailers. Like. I, th I think you got to watch them, man. This will be your yeah, introduction. I'm going to watch fucking 14 movies. <laughs> 14 sword and sandal movies? Yeah. We can include night movies then. That is kind of hard. I just thought about that. Like, If I, if I watch 14 sword and sandal movies, you'll find me hanging in sandals uh, somewhere. No, Jamie. I have not seen that, but I'll definitely look it up. Throw it on my list. Is M Night Shyamalan behind it? Because he's got he's he's got this other movie called Old coming out. So. Yeah, that, I I watched the trailer for that and it it's intriguing, man. I'm I'm interested already. I'm probably gonna see that in theaters, but uh, yeah, you I'll check what, out you. You know what's funny is like M Night Shyamalan to me is like almost like Tarantino. Like I'll watch any of his movies. I don't really hate any of them. He's like a shitty Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really bad comparison. Honestly, well, I mean, like, as, as far as, like, I like, I, I don't hate any of his movies. He has yeah. two that people hate. And, and I don't Actually, I take that back. After Earth is his yeah, movie. Yeah, people it? hate. I, that's fucking, not, 
I take it back. I fucking hate After Earth. And he did Avatar: Last Airbender, which people hated. But like the thing with that is, is that when you give him too much money, it's like he doesn't know what to do with it. But if you give him just enough, he can make a really great uh, a suspense filler uh, kind of film. You know what my thought is about him? I'm not saying all his movies are good, but I feel like people judge him harder than other people. Right. I would agree with that. I don't know why that is, why that started, but um, it's kind of his own fault because he had such big clout. When he did Sixth Sense, it was like he put himself on that next level. Yeah, like Sixth Sense, um, was it Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and then Signs were his first three, right? Oh, I yeah. love Signs. Signs so, is, one of, is one of my top movies. I would say those three are his highest regarded movies. And then when you're like, go down here all from the start, you know, I guess that's where it comes in. But the village is when the start was, and people weren't digging him after that. And then he did, um, I mean, just it was just like bad movie after bad Late, movie. Lady in the Water, people hated. Um, I was talking with Corey. Me. I was actually talking with Corey about the village today. When that movie first came out, I shit all over it. But I think like my reason for shitting on it is because I just wanted it to be something paranormal because the sixth sense was. So when it wasn't something paranormal, I got disappointed. But then when I rewatched it later, that movie was good, man. It was a good movie. There's a lot of people. The I feel like okay. Yeah, I feel like he's like kind of rebounded a little bit because I know a lot of people that like the visit. And then, uh, yeah, it was good. Obviously, like Split it. was a pretty big movie for people that was pretty highly regarded. He kind of fumbled a little bit with Glass, I think, but yeah, that was uh, uh, doing too much. But like when he did the visit, they didn't even advertise it as an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I didn't yeah. realize it was him until I was watching it like halfway through, and I said, "Holy shit, this is M. Night." I had no clue. He's actually doing pretty good. So I'm putting you both on the spot right now. What's your favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie? I'd probably go Signs. I would have to go Six Sense, but that's only because that was like an event. I remember when that movie came out, you know, it would be on TBS or what have you. You knew all the lines. And, you know, it was one of those See, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Corey and say Signs. And the reason is because Signs is an easier rewatch than the Six Sense is because it's easier to spot more new stuff. Once you know the, yeah. Once you know in the sixth sense that he's dead the whole time, the like shock factor of that movie really goes way down. It's it's then you're only just rewatching just to see you know how they didn't know, like how they didn't yeah. notice the whole time or whatever. Right. But I, I, I'm with Corey. I think Signs is probably my favorite movie of his. But the visit was not bad it's in terms no, of like, it was, his it was good. stuff. It's probably yeah, I love that one. You know what's funny? I was we were. Uh, I think it was unbreakable. Last time. Is good, Jamie. It was actually the last time um, I was down there in Mississippi. Uh, I was at the hotel, kind of watching Split, and I fell asleep during it or something. I woke up to the end where it showed Bruce Willis. I thought he had turned into Bruce Willis. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what the fuck? You thought so? You thought it. Sam Jackson turned into Bruce? No, Willis? I thought. I thought uh, James McAvoy turned into Bruce Willis. (laughs) That would be sick if he did that. Yeah, I I actually, I really like Split. Split was good. Yeah, Split was great. 
like the way he he acted like the uh, teacher or the principal type dude. He's like, I don't know. I liked how the why did the chick know how to beat him in that movie though? So Lawrence, is this a good stalker picture? You you tell me real quick here. Yeah, put it up there. Oh, I thought it was a picture of you. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. What is Actually, it? Let me uh, let me let me share the actual photo I found. It's better. First, I'll. Uh, I thought you put a picture of yourself and you were asking me, is this a good picture yeah. of a stalker? That's yeah, that, that's exactly what I did, Lawrence. Jesus. I got to find this picture first. So I just downloaded it. I don't even know where the hell I hit. I put it. Man, stalkers or something else, man. It's like they never learn. Here you go. You'll you'll like you'll like this photo, Lawrence. I should have made it my background. All you gotta do is get six hundred dollar pair of J's a gym isn't membership. That, isn't that a good isn't that a good stalker pick? Yeah. It is. You know what that reminds me of? What? Remember those two chicks up in Ohio, I believe, or someplace that went uh just hanging out in the uh, woods. They're taking a walk and they were playing on their little phone. They went missing. Cops found the phone some hours later. And they have a photo of the dude that was stalking him. They believe he kidnapped and murdered him. And they also have an audio clip of him like talking. You know what I'm talking about. It's like a very famous case. And they have a picture of him walking behind him from the back. Like it zooms in. He's all the way behind him. And he's got his head down. He's just following him from like way back. And it's one of the creepiest photos. Go ahead and pull that up, Greg. Uh, you'd probably be a bit easier to pull that up than me, man. Yeah, I'm like, not as familiar with it. Yeah, but, you, uh, you probably have it bookmarked. I think I've seen that. <laughs> probably, yeah. You've seen it, Corey. I know you have. Um, I don't remember. See if you can find the video. Uh, I can, there's the audio clip. There's no actual video, though. Oh, okay. Just pictures and audio? Mm-hmm. So, like, what what ended up happening? Like, he did he kill the girls? Did they ever find them, or...? I think they found the girl's bodies or some shit, but they never found him. They still they never identified him. Really? Oh, but in the meantime, um, here's somewhere I know it is. It's gonna be creepy when I do come across him <laughs> on Bing. I'm like kind of nervous to see it because it. Who it uses Bing? I I do. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't you use mama.com yeah well because when you're looking for photos man all you got to do is just click with with uh, google it takes you to the website it doesn't just give you the photo anymore it's weird you, if you hit images it does yeah yeah but with bing you just literally just double tap the photo and you, you got it well i mean the best site to use for stuff like that is ostelavista.com <laughs> ostelavista.com just kidding. How about, how about Ask Jeeves? Yeah. <laughs> Yahoo. Does anyone still use that shit? There's still people use it. Yeah. Yahoo. People use Yahoo quite yeah, often. Good call, actually. Jamie. <laughs> uh, AskJeeves.com is now just ask.com. So. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it does still exist. Oh, I found it. Oh, shit. Oh, here we I'm ready. Fuck me. Hold on, let me zoom out on this. Look at look at look at how you're getting from just looking at it. <laughs> because it's 
Hold on. Now I feel like a horse's ass if I don't get this on here. Uh, so who's your favorite uh, stalker, Greg? Who's your top 10 stalkers? <laughs> top 10 stalkers. Go ahead. Share it. It, aut- it automatically shared. There he is. Uh, anyone who knows him or has information, please send it to the uh, the Delphi police. It's another one of them Waffle House photos. Yeah, you ain't lying. I can't even tell what race he is. Yeah, I can't. Man, all I know is he's fat. That's it. That's all I can. Is that Chris Farley? That's what I'm saying. Like, look at this. I thought it was a black dude. No, because here's his face, and it's Peach. Peach crayon. (laughs) Just the brown hair. And is that a mullet? Shit, if I know, man. He's. But this is it, and this is right before he commits murder. So he's it sucks. <laughs> yeah, look, look, how, he's got he's got his hands up in the pockets too. The classic stalker approach. And he's got his head just down. Like, think about what's running through his mind right now. Like, what kind of fucking weird? I don't want to. Like, what will possess you? All the things you could be doing on this day to just be out butchering people. I don't know. Get let's get him off there now, Greg. I already, he's already gone. See, that's what you brought up a good point. Someone asked me at work the other day. They're like, "Why do you obsess over horror shit? Why do you like the Ted Bundy documentaries? Why do you?" But for me, it's like, and you brought up this point too, Greg. Is I'm so far removed from that thinking that I have to know because it's just the craziest thing. Like, why? Why, What would possess anyone to just do some shit like that? See, that's that's where my fascination comes with that stuff like that, is because it is so outside the realm of anything that I would ever even conceive of doing that it's just, it's it baffles me, man. Like, how does how does a person go from a baby, a normal, starting out as a normal kid, to becoming someone who fucking eats people? And have sex with dead bodies and shit yeah. like that. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. It's a weird thing because I, um, you know, I have an interest in like Manson, of course, and Ted Bundy, almost to the same level as like, like I like horror movies. But I, you know, I can't say I'm like a Manson and Ted Bundy fan because that's that's like a horrible way to put it. But what's the right word for it? Because I got the same interest as I do as like a horror fan. Um you know, it's kind of strange. I would say you're a you're a fan of the story, but not a fan of the you know, the person and the victims and st- and what actually happened. Yeah. yeah it's kinda like Lawrence, you know, I'm intrigued by what causes these people to do these things. So. Yeah, because the thing is, is like they have to know they'll get caught. You've seen CSI. Yeah. You've seen yeah. all the detective shows. You know that one fingerprint, one drop of blood. Like they found Night Stalker 1, uh, the, the Golden State Killer, the first Night Stalker, after 50 years. This guy thought he was safe. He thought no one was looking for him. And technology is so advanced now. They got a crime from 50 years ago, and they nabbed this guy. And he's, he's caught. He was still alive? Yeah, he was like 70. Um, and this was one of the most... He was up there with Zodiac. It was like no one knew who was doing this. And there was a case where they almost caught him once, but he escaped him. And See, that's one of the weirdest things. That's the reason the Bundy case is so fascinating to me is because 
Bundy didn't have the shitty upbringing, man. His parents were nice people. Like, he... he just Allegedly, be- they were. We don't know. I mean... Uh, I, I think his parents were I, what I think that I think that was a story of neglect, honestly, because his mom seemed batshit crazy just from the documentary. Like they're over there telling her, you know, oh, yeah, we definitely uh, know that he did this. And she's like, oh, well, well uh, would anyone like some tea and cookies? Yeah, she was one of those parents that was like, like he could do no wrong. You know what I mean? So there was there was some type of like wall that was built there that she wasn't seeing. And I guess if you if you don't see it, you can't do anything to prevent it. So. Nah, dude, I was I've been studying on that. Um, he started off as like a peeping tom or like a thief. Everything he owned, he stole, and it's like he just kept evolving slowly and surely. Like he went from stealing to raping to murder, and it was like he got so obsessed with the murders that it was like a part of. So well, probably because it was like the adrenaline rush or the high that he was getting from it. He said it was like then, he possessed them. When he did that, that was the whole thing. It was like the owning That's, of lives and souls. Like he owned them once he killed you. That was his whole thing. He was he was out there. I mean, you know what's crazy about it. him too is um, he obviously he was a highly intelligent guy. I mean, he was a law student for a while and stuff like that. But uh, I think he also realized or, or wanted to stop but couldn't. And because there's a there's a scene in uh, I'm not sure if it's in the uh, the uh, latest movie, but the movie I love is the the Mark Harmon one from the '80s. And there's a scene where he's asking this guy, like, what's the state with the highest probability of someone being executed? And someone told him Florida, so he went to Florida and killed some people there. I think for the sole purpose of trying to be stopped really that, yeah that well that like that sorority house story is the one that blows my mind the most because like I, I think it was like there was three victims ultimately on that one either two or three victims and then one person survived or something like that but like the amount of lives he ruined in oh, like yeah, a in like 30 minute span. Ten, no, he did that less than 10 minutes. Yeah, less, killed, less than 10 minutes. It's absolutely just mind boggling. Yeah, he killed like three people in one house, all within like five feet of each other. Like they were like rooms apart. And he ran through this house, killed three people in less than 10 minutes. And that was because at that point, he did not care. He was the most wanted man. He had escaped prison twice. And he was just on the run and he was just, he just let loose. He said it was like he went through a bestial rage is what he said. And he said he just could not contain it. And he needed to kill somebody that That's night. Just, he just did not care. If he got caught, I, killed, he didn't care. He was going to yeah. get somebody. And dude, when the cops got him, when he was finally caught for like swerving, he was just in a car. He got pulled over. He attacked the cop in the hopes that the cop would kill him. Yeah. And the cop wouldn't do it. And he was like, Why he, he, wanted, he wanted to be stopped at the end. Yeah, I, he wanted I to totally believe that. Uh, because he couldn't do it himself. So. No. But I can uh, imagine, though, like a normal person. If. You know, not that a normal person would just go out and kill someone in cold blood like that. But I think if someone did that, that didn't have that background, there would be some addiction that came with it. There'd be some like adrenaline rush that might make it hard for you not to do it again. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Someone brought up a good point. Like, once you go down that road, dude, it's you're not stopping, man. It's just. I think I think it's probably the ultimate feeling of empowerment, man. Because I mean, what can you do worse to somebody than kill them? Yeah. So I mean, like once I mean that's literally like you you're almost creating a god complex and in, in yourself when I guess you you do that and like you you feel unstoppable. Like if you. I would imagine if you take someone's life like that, you feel like no one can stop you at that point. Cause right. Yeah. He said he, he was like, you know, he would, he would kill them only as a means to rape them. He wanted to rape them first and like killing them was just a way to have no witnesses and to silence them. But then he realized he wanted to kill them and raping. It was just a side thing. That was just kind of like, just because, but he just became obsessed with, he liked the killing more than anything i was like his ultimate he called it the apex mode when he was just at his his most violent and crazy it's just i don't know Dahmer wasn't like that all those other guys weren't like that he was the most insane without any kind of backstory to it some people needed to die and he was one of them dude that dude was pure evil what do you think about btk that btk killer oh you're talking about uh, ridgeway no, Dennis uh, Raider. Yeah, Dennis, oh, Dennis Raider. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> his story is like crazy too because like his went on for so long and he was just like living this normal life and then he Yeah, he stopped for a while. Yes. Lived lived a normal life, would go out, get his thing. <laughs> and like if you, uh his wife actually caught him at one point doing some weird shit early on in his killing career, I guess if you'll call it. But was that the was, one was that the one that uh, Ted Bunny teamed up with the FBI and they caught him because Ted Bunny gave him information or something? Or was that a different guy? No, BTK screwed himself over because he tried. He got back in contact with the police. He couldn't couldn't not be messing with the police and yeah. ask them if uh, if he emailed them if they could track him. And of course, they lied to him and said no. And uh, he had Idiot. sent he had sent them emails from. His work computer at the church he was working at. You know, for him to be one of the most notorious serial killers out there, he's also one of the biggest dipshits of all the serial killers. Hey, if I send you an email, can you track it? Oh, no, of course not. I suspect he wanted to be caught, too. Those guys want to be caught. Yeah, because you got to know it's got to end sometime. You got to know ever Have you ever watched his, like, uh, trial tapes? Like, when he's admitting, like, confessing all the stuff that he, he did? Mm, I seen when he broke down crying. Some shit. Oh, I don't man, think he, he cried. I think he just no. you had no watch, emotion. Yeah, you got to watch those. He talked. He he talked about it literally like it was just a day at work. Yeah, I yeah, mean, looking at the comments now, like Jonathan. Little, yeah, uh, little um, a little uh, in advance tease. Uh, at some point on East of the Rockies, we will have BTK's daughter. As a guest, so Ooh. Um, yeah, I remember you talking about that. So. so that's in the future when she gets done with her book. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's got to be weird being the uh, the kid of someone who's so notorious yeah. like that. Yep, I'm excited for that uh, interview. That'll be a really good one. Oh yeah, Look, looking forward to it. But uh, I got nothing else, fellas. If uh, you know, well, actually, I do. Uh, tomorrow night, we're gonna.
do the uh, super vill- the top ten super villain slash superhero list of movies, excluding any animated movies. So no animated movies allowed on the list. I but everything tell you, else is open. My list is done, and it's shitty, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> my list is done, but I think uh, I think you're gonna like it. I think uh, everyone will be pretty surprised at my number one and what didn't make the list. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. I can tell you right now, I, it, it, it sucks that Dustin's probably not going to be able to make it with us for that podcast because he would have been absolutely pissed at some of the choices that didn't make my list. So yeah. Jay, Jay, if you're still in here, man, we'd like to have you on as well if you can. I don't know. Yeah, if you can come up with a, with a list in short time. Go for it. I did. Uh, we did ten and five honorable mentions, but the honorable mentions aren't so important. I just like to do five every time. Just traditions. Then following, uh, let's see. The week after that, we're doing the hot chicks list, right? Oh uh, yeah, that'll be it. That'll be good. That's gonna be hard put together. I've already got mine done. <laughs> mine is done. I got the pictures downloaded. I'm gonna tell you this. You already had them on your computer anyway, so it's gonna <laughs> <be> done. <laughs> downloading the pictures was fun. Uh, yeah, I, he had to I go. He that. had to go take five breaks in between downloading fifteen pictures. <laughs> if I find one, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Did you have to break. wait? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a break for a minute. Greg, did you have to wait till your wife went to work or something to do that list? <laughs> Actually, most of them I downloaded with her just sitting right there on the couch. Okay, getting naughty, huh? <laughs> I'd ask her opinion on some of them. Be like, hey, who do you think's hotter? No, you didn't. I do. We. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> this, this damn, this damn Nazi persona you've given my wife. So sad. I thought we were like a like a loser or something. Every, everybody, like, everybody, why are you probably, doing that waste of time. The the way my wife is described on this <laughs> podcast, everyone probably thinks she's like a character from Mars Attack. She just sits in the back the whole time and is just like night night night. Man, dude. <laughs> Because your your wife's Filipino, my mom's Filipino, and so you know how they get, and they they completely go from zero to hundred. I could be watching like a kissing scene in a film. My mom will instantly come in or something and be like, "Why do you have porn on the TV?" I'm like, "How did you go from like you know saying like like it doesn't matter? Like they just they have no filter. So I just can't see her being that chill with you downloading hot chicks. I'm not saying anything about it." All right. right. So that's tomorrow. What time? Usual the night, not any time between nine thirty and ten. <laughs> at start time. So I'd like to get it started at nine thirty, but you know how it is. I, I never make promises because I'm always late. So some shit always happens. Well, I did want to say tomorrow also. Um, I will be making an announcement on a new show we're going to be doing soon which will debut uh, July 24th at 9 p.m. Central. And I'll also be making an announcement of a new co-host for S'mores and Doors. So it should awesome. be pretty exciting. Who was Jonathan was your old one, wasn't he? Well, he's still there. <laughs> this is like uh, the NWO. Sure. We had to add a third person. Yeah, yeah just new members are just going to keep coming. Right. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All, All right. right. Just want to thanks say thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, 
I am going to do a quick uh, shout out to our Patreon subscribers here. If I can find what the hell I did with it. There we go. Yeah. Thanks to uh, all our Patreon subscribers. We greatly appreciate the uh, support. And um, we will uh, continue to pump out more creepy classics for you sometime here in the near future. We're also going to do some watch alongs. Got to do a little research on that because Lawrence said that we can somehow watch it, like actually stream it on the screen while we're watching it. That would make it better as a watch along. But uh, I think you got to break it up. So once we get the, the details of that, then we'll, we'll start on that. But uh, tune in tomorrow night for the Slacker cast. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, all the links are down at the bottom here. Also to put a link for a uh, s'mores and doors podcast, check that out as well. Lots of content there. And uh, till next time slack off. <laughs>